Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, September 11th, 2023. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Dan Rubin. Dan and I are both big NFL fans. We are at uh, opposite ends of the spectrum, to say the least, this morning. He's a Cowboys fan. I'm a Bengal fan, and Bengals couldn't have looked any worse. Kudos to the Brown fans out there. You guys look great, and Dan's Cowboys could not have looked any better. So, uh, a lot of Ohio State football to get into, but before we get to that, Dan wants to tell you, about our newest sponsor that we're thrilled to be partners with. Dan, the floor is yours. Yeah, and I think we're going to get a better reaction to this one because I know people love ads, but this is an ad that I really think you guys should pay attention to. It's a little bit more in our wheelhouse. It is Jonathan Green. Good morning, Bucknutters. Are you tired of looking out at your lawn and seeing bare spots, patches, or weeds? We've got a solution for you. Introducing Jonathan Green Grass Seed. The secret to achieving the lawn of your dreams. If you look in the scroll below for you YouTubers and you visual uh, podcasters, we will have the scroll running all throughout the first half of the show. With over 130 years of experience, Jonathan Green is a name you can trust for quality lawn care. Their Black Beauty grass seed comes from in many varieties, so they can thrive in your specific region, whether you're in the Midwest, Northeast, or anywhere in between. Plus, planting Jonathan Green grassy is easy. Just spread it on your lawn, water it, and watch it grow. It's that simple. Within a few weeks, you'll see thick, lush green grass. That's the envy of your neighborhood. Say goodbye to bare spots and hello to a lawn that's the talk of the town. And here's the best part, Buckeye fans. Jonathan Green Black Beauty Grassy is endorsed by lawn care experts and trusted by homeowners across the great state of Ohio. So much so that Wilson Turf Farm here in Columbus... Grows 800 acres of Jonathan Green sod every year to sell to Central Ohioans. So don't wait any longer. Make your neighbors green with envy and turn your lawn into a showstopper with Jonathan Green grass seed. Visit jonathangreen.com and use coupon code BUCKNUTS10 to get 10% off your order. Jonathan Green, quality lawn since 1881. I know a lot of you guys are buck nutters and home enthusiasts and this is a way to really make your lawn look fantastic i did some research on these guys and they are kind of a upscale firm so we are very happy to be sponsored by jonathan green 
I love it. I'm going to have to uh, get some of their product for uh, my lawn. All right, let's get Talk to Matt. Talk the town Hilliard, the Biddles. Hey, we're going to, you know, going to bring it to Hilliard. That's that's damn right. All right, let's get to matters of Ohio State football. Um, they have quarterback one. I don't think that's debatable at this point. Let's get into, and you wanted to bring this up. I like this topic. What's our confidence level in Kyle McCord? You know, not against Western Kentucky. What's our confidence level going to be here in what, 12 days when they go to Notre Dame? You know, like, uh, and then beyond that, if they're able to win that game, how confident are we in Kyle McCord? I'll, I'll start with you, sir. I, I mean, just when you look at him through two games, um, what's your confidence level in him? I thought he looked really good the other day against, um, you know, over the weekend, this past weekend. He was much more crisp with his decisions and – I'll admit after the opener against Indiana, I was worried. I got a text from someone I trust who said the only thing elite on this team is the first and second receiver. Um, this is when NFL guy I talked with during the game to Vince. And I thought Kyle struggled um, this week. I thought he looked great. Uh, quick release. I think one thing that's kind of gotten lost on Kyle's he's physically very talented. He has a cannon. That's not an issue with him. He was a 97-rated quarterback coming out of high school. Somehow, we've look, he's following up. He's in quite a lineage right here. So he, his strength in comparison is going to be tough. But um, I was very impressed with him over the weekend. I saw what I needed to see in terms of progress. I get the fact that nothing really counts until South Bend. But are we going to the confidence meter? If it's on a scale of one to ten, I think I'm seven and a half right now. After coming out of Indiana, I was not a passing grade. Yeah, I'm I'm right around that same area. I thought you might go a little bit higher the way you were, you were talking there. I thought I might get a. No, I mean, I thought he might get an eight from. Uh, no, Mr. no, I got to see it done against. You know, That's guys who are going to play on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, you better look good against Youngstown State. Um, you better look good against Youngstown State. But the offense as a whole, and there were good things. I thought Trey um, had a nice bounce back week, so to speak. We'll get to more of the running backs. Here's what I don't like. This is a very alarming stat. Ohio State is 114th in the country in third down conversions. 114th in the country. I think there's about 130 D1 FBS teams. 114th in the country in third down conversions. They don't look good in short yardage. They don't look good in third down conversions, which a lot of times are the same thing. And it's not a two-game small sample size thing because what was the problem even when they had C.J. Stroud? Short yardage, third downs. Third downs were never this bad with, with C.J. And I know it's two games, but I'm alarmed by that. He only scored 35 points against Youngstown State. And furthermore, Dan, possessions are at a premium now. They had nine possessions in this game, 10 against Indiana. You got to clean up that third down conversion rate. It's ridiculous through two games. So back in the day when uh, the offense first started going through its radical transformation, I think that would you probably credit that to Tom Herman. Um, when Herman was leaving, I don't know if you remember this. I created this little stat where I, I took out all of Ohio State's best statistics and tried to find another team that had similar statistics so we could find a replacement for Herman. The most impressive statistic for Ohio State was third down conversion percentage. And it's because they were never facing third and long. They ran the ball great on first down if they had to. And their third down conversion rate, one, they had very few third downs to attempt. And their conversion rate was ridiculously high. Ironically, the other person I identified was East Carolina's offensive coordinator, 
Lincoln Riley. Um, and it was a dominant offense. I don't, and, and now you catch yourself doing this. This is what happens when your team struggles on third down. You start to say things like, oh, we're not creative enough. Oh, we got to run some more motion and stuff like that. Ohio State on third and one against Youngstown State should be able to literally tell them where they're going and go there. Um, against Indiana, I know Indiana had some, some good players. You should be able to tell them where you're running and get a yard. And they just don't seem to have the kind of physical push up front. I'm not sold on Travion Henderson as your traditional running back. I think he's more of a space player that was shown this weekend. Uh, you got him the ball in space one time and like some semi reverse with some trickery and you can see what he looks like. He's not a between the tackles guy to me. So that might have something to do with it, but I would agree with you. It's a major, major concern because it is the sign of a good offense is third down conversion percentage. Now I realize going one, one for seven on the first weekend and then having to spread that out mathematically over two weeks, you're still not going to look good, but it absolutely has to be fixed or it will be the death of them for sure. Yeah, they're not going to beat Notre Dame if they have that nonsense. No way. Notre Dame, I actually thought NC State, not that NC State's a world beater, would um, give Notre Dame a really good game. Might even be able to pull out a win with the game being at NC State. Notre Dame smoked them. Sam Hartman, I have no idea if he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. Or maybe I'd bet that he won't be a good NFL quarterback, but I know he's a great college quarterback. He's a legit Heisman contender. He was very good at Wake Forest, and he looks really sharp at Notre Dame. That's the one thing they were missing was a competent quarterback. And they don't just have a competent quarterback. They've got one of the best in college football. We had a commenter say this. Listen, if these guys don't start playing better, they're not going to beat Notre Dame. And then I think somebody said, if Kyle doesn't play better, I'll just say if the entire team doesn't play better, they're not beating Notre Dame. Um, you know, that uh, I know we're I know they're playing Western Kentucky this week, Dan, but I can't get Notre Dame off my mind. I, I was impressed with how they just smoked NC State. I'll say this, though, about Hartman. Hartman has played against NC State with Wake Forest four times probably. And he went in there yesterday knowing he had better receivers than he ever had, better line than he ever had, better running back than he ever had. So he probably had a ton of confidence going in there and really enjoyed that game. If you could go play against a high school team that kind of gave you the business and then come back for a fifth year with a different high school team, that's much, much better. I think you'd be very confident going into that game. Um, And like you said, he's a, he's a great uh, college quarterback. He's not good. So they better be on their P's and Q's. We got a couple of people pointing this out. And this is true. I, I just saw, you know, the last part of the game, last the second half when Notre Dame really kicked their butt. A lot of people are saying, come on, the game was close early on and then Notre Dame pulled away. Yeah, I was – unfortunately, Dan makes me work on football Saturdays. I don't yeah, know. Especially don't know. when the Buckeyes are playing. Who knew? I, I love doing the what we learned live. For those that are with us, right when I had Steve Hellwagon on and Patrick Murphy jumped off, we had technical issues that just this podcast stopped. And once you stop the live stream, as I learned, there's no way just to be like, no, no, keep it going. It was like podcast ended. I wasn't going to go much more than 10 minutes anyway, but I felt bad right when I was having Steve on that uh, we went dark. But um, I love all the people that join us for what we learned live. We're going to be live after every game this season, right up until the national championship game, hopefully. Um, all right, what are we going to get to next? Denzel Burke. Man, you another one you brought up that I love. I loved his quote. I, did, I missed it again because I, I missed the press conference because I was – doing the uh, post-game show, but uh, you know, tell the listeners about this uh, Denzel Burke quote. I love it. Can I send it to you? Can you read it? I don't have yeah, it. I sure can. I sure can. Um, yeah. yeah, here we go. Okay. Quote, 
This is from Denzel Burke, my friends. Quote, it was really kind of a disappointing win. We've got a lot of things to clean up. We're supposed to mug these dudes. And I yeah. feel like we didn't do that today. I love we're supposed to mug these dudes, and we didn't do that today. When everybody's like, well, the defense looks great. They only gave up seven points. And Burke had the interception. They get the cornerback uh, monkey off their back after not having a corner get an interception last year. He had a really good interception in the end zone. And he's out there in the postgame interview saying, uh-uh, not, not good enough. I love that attitude. That's my lockdown corner, Dan. Yeah, he was – I would love to have a quiet quiet moment with Denzel Burke. Sometimes when I watch the games, this uh, I get into a routine that from my reporting days when I used to actually have to be a reporter. And uh, I would start to think, like, what questions would I ask this guy after the game? I would like to ask Denzel Burke, what in the name of all things big and small were you doing last season? Freshman year, you were as good a freshman corner as we've had here, and that is saying something. Last year, you were not. This year, you're back to looking like a first-round cornerback. Let me tell you something. That that interception he got, you will see that when he is about to run his 40 at the combine. That was a perfect, perfect play. He ran under it. He was flat-footed the whole time. He didn't He didn't stretch, and then he just came right under it, intercepted it. That is like – that's scouting tape right there. That's example tape. So he's been tremendous. I, I don't even know what to say. I'm just incredulous. I mean, I don't know if I've ever – I can't name a player at Ohio State that looked that good as a freshman, didn't look good at all as a sophomore, and came back and looked that good again as a junior without injury, without, like, any major explanation as to why. Maybe he was hurt and he just didn't tell anybody. He was toughing through it. But can you name someone else that's done that? I'm kind of putting you on the spot. I was just thinking through. I mean, you know, I can't. There's definitely not one that comes to mind. Um, I guess you could say Eddie George. I guess, but the only reason he didn't play really after is, is those fumbles yep. against Illinois. It's actually the day my sister got married. My uh, sister and, and brother-in-law. Um, that's the day they got married. Um, and um, Eddie George had those three fumbles against Illinois, and then didn't really play much. Was it two fumbles, three fumbles? Can't remember. But he had fumble issues as a true freshman. And he had a breakout game against Syracuse, which which tells you where Ohio State was in 1992. Beating Syracuse at Syracuse was a big win. It was a big win because Syracuse had beaten Ohio State in a bowl game a couple years before then. Syracuse was a decent team, and Ohio State went up there. True freshman Eddie George scored three touchdowns. Kirk Herbstreit was the quarterback. They barely threw the ball. Um, maybe Eddie George, but no, it's, it's different, though, because – Eddie didn't enter the next year as the starter. Yeah, they, they just decided, well, we're going to give Raymond Harris the ball as a, as a fifth-year senior. He's our guy, and Eddie's going to be one of the backups. Eddie didn't play much as a sophomore. So, and no, Knowles I, came in last year. It's not like the coordinator changed this year. You know what I mean? It's like maybe he was getting adjusted to the new scheme, but it doesn't really look like that, Dave. Like He was, he, he was jumpier last year. He didn't look as decisive. He didn't look as comfortable. I mean, he looks – he looks really smooth out there. When you see a, a division, a division one, a, a first round cornerback play, you can tell the difference. When Marshawn Lattimore was in his last year here, his mirror skills were on another level, man. You just knew what you were seeing. Denzel Ward. I used to know if they were going to play against a, a smart offensive coordinator. If he threw the ball Ward's direction in the first quarter, I'm like, this is a W. This This guy has no clue. We don't have anyone as good as Ward on the team. He should be working the other side. And uh, Burke's back to being that guy, which is very, very good news for the team long term. 
and you know we had somebody point out yeah he was you know had a minor he was banged up a little bit last year i don't i don't attribute that at all to that sophomore slump maybe a little bit okay can't i shouldn't say not at all because what i've heard was um he struggled with the new scheme as far as they weren't used to playing bump and run coverage they weren't used to playing that man press he was kind of struggling getting that punch at the line of scrimmage uh not so much anymore he has now grown into that jim Knowles system and uh you can just see it steel chambers talked about it after week one how much more comfortable they are they're able to adjust to indiana doing the triple option like it was nothing where he said previous year we might have you know, been out there with chickens with our head cut off for a while so we we're figuring things out so love what i'm seeing out of denzel burke he looks love a little bigger to me and hancock too he looks a little bigger to me burke like he might have had caught religion in the weight room this summer or something i'm not sure but he, he looks good he sure does and i like egbenosin and um and hancock as well they're loaded aggressive sunny styles aggressive man sunny styles is looking good at safety slash linebacker slash defensive end what do you want to call him let's get to that next i'm gonna before we get to we'll get to running backs later because we've had some people bring this up i wanted to get to this anyway um what in the world is going on with jt and jack sawyer this is they're just they came in with high five-star accolades this is their money year. I'm just they've been bull rushed pretty well, Dan. I'm just not seeing any like quick moves from them or you know, any any type of speed rush moves from them. I think Caden Curry's looked good. Um, hopefully we can get something out of Kenyatta Jackson too, but they need something out of JT and Jack, and they're not getting it right now. So I told you I text with an NFL source during the game who is deeply uh invested in Ohio State, and um he's not pleased. <laughs> I don't really have a great answer for this, unfortunately. I'll say I think there are some contributing factors. One, we were spoiled with defensive ends. Let's just be honest about that. The Bosa brothers make more money than – the GDP of the Bosa family is higher than some Caribbean countries, okay? That's not even a joke. Uh, Chase Young, though he has petered out a little bit, you know, he was a big-time national name here. I mean – Everybody who watched college football knew who Chase Young was. And the recruiting battles for these guys, let's not forget, JTT and uh, Jack were severely highly rated prospects. I mean, JTT's recruitment was the longest. I mean, uh, Terrell Pryor thought it went on too long. Uh, And I also think the defense, the offenses they've gone against, I don't think Indiana had any intention of winning that game. They were trying to keep the score down and run the ball. They ran the ball on multiple passing downs. And even this past weekend, Youngstown State, there were several obvious passing downs that I thought you would have got a nice rush on that they just ran the ball. Excuse is over. I agree. I don't see the electric edge almost got their hits. Um, You can be a tremendous rusher and only finish with five or six sacks if you're constantly pressuring them. I don't see it. Uh, You're not even getting – I mean – I realize uh, JTT is very good at setting the edge defensively against the run. Um, and it does just seem like Jack Sawyer is always just a second late. I don't know if that's timing. I don't know if that's lack of gifts. I don't think it's that. It just seems like he's a second late. Like if uh, I could see Jack coming out and having a game with two or three sacks and the light coming on and him being great. I just, it feels like the light is like flickering. It's never fully come on. If that makes any sense. I was going to say that's a great way of putting it. I love that analogy. Yes, you can just see that light flickering. Is it ever going to just lock in and come all the way on? Uh, I hope so. But, man, it's not like, we can't. well, they're still young. or oh, They're, they're, yeah. they're playing yeah. him at Jack. Now that he has his hand in the dirt, he's going to do this and that. It's like I'm just not seeing it. I'm not seeing it at all. 
Uh, Dan and I are going to get back to Ohio State football in just a moment. I have a quick read from another one of our great sponsors, Caldera Lab. Guys, you are going to brush your teeth today. Why is that? Because it's a healthy part of your day and you don't want bad teeth. I want you to take it another step and add in skincare habits to your daily routine. I did, and I, I just did, and I promised you I'm never going back. I'm hooked on Caldera Lab high performance men's skincare products. I use the products and I highly recommend it to all of the men out there. Backed by clinical trials that found 94% of men's skin showed an overall younger looking appearance after using the products for only a few weeks. Caldera Lab is the regimen you've been looking for. The regimen from Caldera Lab includes three products that make up one minute in the morning and one at night. Habits don't get easier than that. And just for our audience, we have an exclusive offer. This is their best offer available anywhere. Use code BUCKNUTS at calderalab.com and get 20% off right now. Get 20% off with code BUCKNUTS at calderalab.com and make unforgettable first impressions that lead to the charming words, you look younger. 20% off at calderalab.com with code BUCKNUTS. All right. Dave, we said all we go. Hold on a sec. First week we said it could be worse. You could be Clemson. Now we'll say it could be worse. You could be Michigan State. Good gracious. Oh, my gosh. You know, and all right, people giving Brett McMurphy, our old friend, a hard time because he reported he was fired and then had to come back a little bit later and say, well, they're actually just suspending him. That sounds – I actually believe McMurphy when he says that that's just a formality. I There's no way Mel Tucker's coaching again at that's Michigan Title State. Title IX thing. You have to go through a certain uh, investigation process and – Look, man, Mel Tucker. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. If it's true, let's just say that. Let's preface this. If it's true, right? You made a sexual advance at a woman who was on campus as a rape survivor to talk to your students about not raping people, and you make a sexual advance to her. You should be fired for being it for being dumb. Yeah, okay? and here's the thing. I don't care what the Title Nine thing. He's going to be guilty. That's one of the dumbest. I had to read, listen, I've been reading uh, sports stories my whole life. I choose to do this for a living. I had to read that story twice to understand what they were saying because it was so ridiculous. I'm like, wait a minute. The headline was something about like rape survivor. It's like, what are you even talking about? It's the one of the dumber things I've ever seen. So that's an embarrassment to that program. If it's true. It's literally one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Literally. Well, I don't even know if we have to say if it's true as far as did he I just make don't want to get sued. He's, a, he's admitting that something happened. He's just saying it's consensual. And to your point, even it's, if it's consensual, dude, you can't be doing that with Brenda Tracy. You brought her here, as you said, to talk to your team about, you know, being, you know, treating women the right way. Even if it was consensual, I just think that that, I mean, you just can't do What's that. What's going through your mind, though? That's criminal. What's and going through your like mind? Dollars? Oh, my God. It's insane. I mean, what What goes through your mind when you're like, yeah, this rape speech person is really attractive. I'm going to make my move. What are you doing, dude? Does no, does he, I mean, that literally calls into, I'm not even kidding. That's a fireable offense just on judgment. God knows what he did illegally. What a moron. 
Jeez, I just yeah, there's no way he's getting out of that. I mean, how, hopefully for his sake it was consensual, but even then, I I think he needs to be fired, and I think he will be. Hopefully for him it was consensual and he can prove it because otherwise that that's then criminal. I'm in You're no way saying again. I'm in no way saying it wasn't consensual. I, it might have been. He's he's pretty adamant that it was. It very well could have been, but still, it's just incredibly stupid. He's it's an just adult, as you said, as charge. I said. I mean, an adult in charge of a bunch of young men, you have, I mean, and you get paid millions of dollars. If you don't think there's different rules when you make millions of dollars, that's why you don't make millions of dollars. Come on. It's just, uh, uh, anyway, let's move on. Um, okay. Oh. I do want to get to oh, as promised. Stephen Cherry. Go ahead. Can you put this up here? I want to just put this sure. up. This is the new normal. Get ready for this. Get ready for this. this I don't think Dion would leave. I don't think he'd leave. And you know what's ironic about that? Where did Mel Tucker come from? Colorado. I don't think Dion, now, money talks. They give him $20 million a year. Dion's getting on that helicopter and bringing Shador with him. He's Uh, big. And it's Louie. But, like, seriously, though, it would take something like that because Colorado is going to offer him a lot. He's It's just there's a good fit there. Even their uniforms look cool. They've made them. Listen, Colorado got cool overnight in 1989. I'm not kidding you. One weekend, they were nothing. Another weekend, your Fairweather friend fan came back with a Colorado sweatshirt on fall weekend. That actually happened at the University of, of Dayton. Uh, but, man, he has made them cool. Look at the sidelines. Look at Bryce Underwood, the quarterback from Michigan, who's now considering them. Thank God we already got our quarterback in this class. Get, dude, this is no okay. joke. Now, I will say this. I will say this. If you're going to transfer and try and take over a moribund program, Bring with you the best two-way player in the country and a lottery pick quarterback. That's a good way to start it. Now, who else can do that? I don't think you're going to be able to, to take a team and take over a new program. Like you said, if he doesn't bring Shador, I'm not, I'm not paying for the plane. Right. I mean, he, um, he's bringing Shador. There's no way he's coaching without his son. And I tell you what, I was wrong. I thought it was a good hire, and I've always liked Dion. Even going back to his Florida State days, I've always liked him. Um, played for my Reds. You know, we think we forget. He was actually a decent, you know, baseball player. He was, you know, an absolute maniac on the on the base. He's the pass. best corner of all time. No, like, yeah, he he was yeah, definitely. People will that's say, not well, even arguable. When he needed to tackle, he tackled. He definitely was no wimp. I mean, you don't return kicks like he did and be like a, you know, a wuss. But um, I didn't think it would work this year, though. So I was wrong. I was one of the people in, in the media. He wasn't talking about me, but I was one of the people in the media saying, ah, this year they're going to take their lumps. <laughs> no, they're going to no. give out some lumps. But well, we um, I'm going to ask about running back. Well, um, we didn't know how good Shador was. That's a fact. That's why it's this. Well, you know what? I, I, I watched there. I can't remember who they were playing. It was it was at Grambling. Um, they were, who were they playing in there? Like um, HBCU, like yeah, yeah, that was a championship big... game last year. I remember watching it and thinking, man, I thought Shador would dominate. He looked – you can see the athletic ability. I remember, I remember being not as impressed as I thought I would be with Shador Sanders at the FCS level um, as a true freshman. Then I thought, well, this is going to be a big jump up going to Colorado. Man, does he look good. And this offensive coordinator they brought in from Kent State, he's really you know, known. He was the head coach at Kent State. I, you know, I'm How glad Brian Hartline. Head- Maybe they had to do that to keep Brian Hartline to make him offensive coordinator. I wouldn't have minded seeing uh, Ryan Day bring in someone like that. Um, to run his offense because this guy at Colorado is just getting it done. He's getting it yeah. done. All right, running backs. One thing that surprises me 
is if you had told me Dallin Hayden is just not even in, in a, fa- a factor at all, I get that they're just so deep. Someone has to be on the outside looking in. There's only so many possessions. But it's clear it's Trey, Mayan, and Chip are the top three in whatever order. Trey's the starter right now, and I thought played you know pretty well this past game, just Youngstown State. But still, it surprises me, Dan, that Dallin is on the outside looking in, though, right now. I would agree with that. The, I don't think the, the staff views Dallin the way we do. He wasn't used last year when I thought he'd be used late. Um, I remember there was one game, I don't know if it was Northwestern, where I was begging for them to put him in the game when Mayan was hurt, and they never did it. They never really went to him. Um, I don't really have a good answer for that. I'm high on Dallin Hayden. I guess they've just decided this is their rotation, and there's not enough carries to get four guys comfortable, and they're going to go with these three. I mean, what do you think Evan Pryor thinks of the whole deal? Yeah, that's a little more understandable because he's coming off such a serious injury, that torn patellar tendon, just over a year removed from that. And they're so deep. You can make the argument, like, why risk – Evan, we're going to need you, like, down the stretch. Look what happened last year. And even not – we we even if we stay healthy, we like you, but we need to save you for then. Dallin's healthy. He's bigger. They don't win the Maryland game last year without Dallin Hayden. I thought he looked good against Georgia. So what's the problem? A true freshman. Now, it is a first-word problem because, like, they're healthy at running back. Chip has stepped up. Mayan looks really good in his role. Um, Trey is the starter. So only so many balls to go around when you get nine freaking possessions. Oh, I hate these new clock rules. Um, Malik Hartford. Can't believe we're at the, <laughs> just now getting to this. Just a true freshman starting at safety. You know, that doesn't that doesn't happen very often. Took Vaughn Bell for the last game of this true freshman year to get a start to safety, which is still incredibly dumb in my opinion. But Malik Hartford, I mean, I don't he didn't look like he was going to go out there and, and, you know, he didn't set the world on fire. But, man, this kid is, is going to be a baller. And uh, it's interesting to me that Jihad Carter um, is third on the depth chart right now. If Proctor was healthy, Carter would be third. I know Carter's been banged up, so that's, a you know, definitely a big part of that. But Jihad Carter was a good player at Syracuse. He didn't come here to be a third stringer, but right now he is. Maybe it's just because he's banged up. I don't know. But he did play. It could be. But, I mean, look, a guy who's going to go to Syracuse – is not as naturally talented as a guy who comes to Ohio state and Malik Hartford obviously came. I mean, he, he, he looks a little skinny, but he's got that length to him out there that you see where you're like, wait a minute, that mm-hmm. guy's like six, two that to me, if you six, one. So I'm going to nerd out here. The difference when you're looking at a basketball player between six, seven and six, nine should not be as big as it looks six, seven. You almost look like a regular person. Six nine, you look like you should be in a museum. You know what I mean? Uh, it's the same for defensive backs. Six foot, you look tall. Six two, you're like, wait a minute, who is that? You know, when you see Sonny out there at six three, you're like, good lord, is Dad playing with us? You know what I'm saying? So Hartford, it also shows you that when it comes to recruiting, people were really excited to get Malik Hartford, but they weren't burning down the internet and worried about his commitment. And he is a true freshman getting on the field. So you never know during recruiting the way Ohio State's recruiting at this level where like Denzel Burke was never penciled in as a freshman starter when he came in as an athlete and not a corner. So uh, Malik Harford's parents and uh, the entire program in Lakota should be super psyched with his development. And we should be. If you have a guy who's good enough to get on the field as a true freshman and now you know you've got at least, you know, 20 plus games with them, you know, adding the rest of this year and two years before he can even leave. That's a major pickup. Major. That's that's a, well, very well said. Yeah. 
not only do you have a heart for this year, we get to have him for two more years after this one at least. So, uh, and probably just two years after this one, the way he looks. Um, all right, we're bouncing around as we are wont to do on the Bucknuts Morning Five. Last thing I want to talk about D tackles. I think Mike Hall uh, looked great. I, I said something on Twitter, but I was being totally serious. I said, when, when Mike Hall plays angry, yeah. I get happy. Yes. <laughs> Mike Hall playing angry is good for the Buckeyes. And people are like, why, is, why are his snaps limited? Here's what I'm hearing um, he's not banged up, but they want to keep him fresh. He, you know, he was banged up last year. Um, I believe he was banged up you know, the previous year when he redshirted. So they want to make sure that when they need him to play the full game, you know, against Notre Dame and plays like, you know, games like that, he's able to do so. Penn State, Michigan. Um, that's why they didn't need to have him out there, you know, for a ton of plays against Youngstown State. That's what I'm hearing. Um, but Mike Hall looked good. And I thought Tyleek Williams had a good game, too. Um, but people are wondering, well, how come Ty Hamilton starting and not Mike Hall? That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... If I was going to give a nickname to Mike Hall, it would be Flash. Because that dude flashes, man. When he is in there, uh, and as big as he is, he's actually undersized for an interior guy. I think he's only about 285. He's, less of of he's actually trimmed down, Dan. Yeah. I know. He's like 280. Yeah. So in that respect, I can understand them wanting to limit maybe his, you know, obvious rundown snaps where you're getting a, you know, you're going to have a Big Ten interior lineman at 320 leaning on you on every play and believe me they know if mike calls in there they want to hit those body blows on him early it's not like the other team doesn't understand he's flash so um he's been tremendous and i would say about the hamilton um stuff his older brother was not super heralded here he was just super consistent and now he is super rich i got to go back and look at it but he's one of, he might have the highest the biggest nfl contract of any defensive tackle to come through here if i'm wrong with an obvious one i apologize but uh larry johnson likes him some hamiltons you know um devon is markedly bigger than ty though i mean markedly fair bigger bigger and ty i'm glad they have ty hamilton don't get me wrong but people that are i don't have a problem that he's starting because i this is what i've heard from a source it's like they it's like a you know load management to borrow a term from the nba um, and I like, in theory, that makes sense to me. Why play him yes. the whole game against Youngstown State when we want to play him the whole game against Notre Dame? But against Notre Dame, I want to see him out there for the entire game, unless he's gassed. All right. Great stuff out of Dan Rubin. Appreciate you guys riding with us here. A pretty long edition of the Monday Five ish. But uh, thanks to Dan. Thanks to all of you. We appreciate it very much. If you're watching on YouTube, you like the show, if you're not subscribed, hit that subscribe button. It helps us a lot. Thanks to Dan. Thanks to all of you. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.